Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Paul speaking of this mystery, that word mystery means things that were previously concealed that have now been revealed. And so Paul said, look, there's by revelation, God revealed it. So, you know, God showed Paul, there was revelation that Paul got directly from Jesus. God made known to him this mystery that he's briefly already written about how the Jew and Gentile will come together. Verse four, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. When you read the things that, that I've already written to you guys about. There are many mysteries in life, and some you'll never figure out, no matter how hard you try. But not all mysteries stay unknown. You can learn a lot about this world through God's Word. Pastor Bill today will share how two opposing races, the Jews and the Gentiles, eventually came together as the body of Christ. Just look how God revealed it to Paul, and look at how he revealed it to everyone long before Paul picked up his pen to write the book of Ephesians. God can teach you a lot by you reading your Bible. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Jesus said, he's the guy to go to the Gentiles. And what does that go to show us? That sometimes we might look at people in the natural, and people do this all the time. You look at a star, be like, oh, if that guy got saved, man, oh, he would just lead everybody to Christ. Maybe not. Maybe he's not the guy. Maybe, maybe we think that just looking at them, we're like, oh man, if they, if they would get saved, they would, ooh, they could really do some great things looking at their natural things, and God's like, no, they wouldn't. And I'm going to use that guy over here, the most unlikely person. You know, I'm, that's who I'm going to use. It's hard to pin God down for what he's going to do or who he's going to use. God will use whom he will. Amen? Something that I want us to consider, though, every one of us, everybody here this born again, please consider this. Like Paul, wasn't Paul clear about the fact that he was called, or what he was called to do, who he was called to? He seemed so clear about what his purpose in life was. Paul wasn't just kind of meandering through, just kind of seeing how things would go. Paul was very clear, like, I'm called to these people, called to be in this position, called to be in that place. How, he, how was he so clear in those things? Because he got them straight from God. And if you're here as a child of God and it's foggy for you, if you're here today saying, I'm saved, I love the Lord, I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to At this era, this season of my life, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I want to challenge you to be fervent in prayer about that. But we should all be clear about, we may not have the whole script of our life, but we should be clear about something we're doing right now. God, I know right now in this season, you've called me to be focused on this. you called me to really give myself over to this. And it'll change. There'll be seasons that'll it'll change from thing to thing, but, but there should be some clarity about it. And if you're just kind of meandering, just, just doing whatever, hoping that God will somehow you know, be glorified through your life, don't be, be, be unsatisfied, be discontented to just do whatever, because God's got something he would have you to focus on. And you'll never do the thing that God's called you to do as well as if you're just unfocused. If you're just kind of like, well, you know, it seems like God's using me over here and I'll try that. I, I kind of try this and I do a little bit of that and I just kind of do whatever, whenever, however, you know, you'll never. When are you focusing on, on God? God, you gave me this gift and you called me to focus on this thing. And so I'm giving myself to it. Paul told Timothy, once he knew what he was called to do, Paul said, Timothy, give yourself entirely to it. This is what you're called to do. If you look at anybody that does something great, they give themselves to it. You look at the, you know, the guys that we may admire for basketball. You know, you look at the reps that them guys put in, a thousand shots a day. That would just, I would be bored to death again and again and again and all day long. And so we see him in a game running back and forth and doing the like, he's the greatest, you know. That dude's putting in work in private. They got gyms in their houses. 
so they can just do it and do it and do it. And it's not on accident that they just do that and it just happens and it goes the right way. You know, that's for just a game, basketball. How much more are you and me that are called to, to God? We're called to serve the Lord. Like, what did God, what did you call me to do? How do I, I'm going to put some reps in. I'm called to be a witness. I'm going to put some witness and reps in this week. You know, I'm called to prayer. You put some prayer reps in or whatever it is that you call to do. Do we have that same kind of, you know, fervor for the things that God has called us to? We can't really have fervor and passion for something we're unclear on. If you don't know what it is, then pursue him about what it is. And I believe he'll speak to you about that. Amen. Moving on, he says in verse three, how how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written to you. And so Paul speaking of this mystery, that word mystery means things that were previously concealed that have now been revealed. And so Paul says, look, there's by revelation, God revealed it. So, you know, God showed Paul there was revelation that Paul got directly from Jesus. God made known to him this mystery that he's briefly already written about how the Jew and Gentile will come together. Verse four, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. When you read the things that that I've already written to you guys about, verse five, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. And it has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So Paul, Paul says, look, there was a time when this wasn't as well known, but now God has revealed them by his spirit through the holy apostles and the prophets. I, I, I will say this again. When Paul talks about the holy apostles, and he ain't talking about nobody today that's calling himself an apostle at their spot. You know, he's talking about the holy apostles, the, the, the ones that, that Jesus directly spoke to that were sent out, the sent out ones. They were sent out with the message. This is what made the apostles, this is what gave them credibility and authority. They had the message straight from Jesus. That's that was that's what we call what we call apostolic authority. When Paul spoke, when Peter spoke, when John the Apostle spoke, they spoke with firsthand knowledge. We got it straight from Jesus. We didn't hear from Rabbi, you know, uh, Ronkadonk down the way. We, we got this straight from Jesus Christ and we're telling you what we got straight from him. So when they spoke, it was with apostolic authority. When they wrote, it was with apostolic authority. We can take their word for it. They got this information straight from Jesus. When the guy down the street decides that he's tired of being a pastor or a bishop and now that wants to be an apostle and he calls a bunch of people on to do a parade and a show and make him apostle, that man is not speaking with apostolic authority. Y'all need to know that. I don't speak with apostolic authority unless I'm reading out of my Bible. I don't have any new revelations for you guys, but that's some of the stuff that people are doing today. It's like you get a man that calls himself an apostle. You gotta, if you buy into it, that this man is speaking with apostolic authority, he could tell you anything. He can tell you, everybody right now, everybody right now, God wants you to do whatever he wants. And if you believe he's speaking with apostolic authority, you guys would be the fools. And there's a lot of that going on. So I just want y'all to know better. If you want to hear apostolic authority, where are you going to get it from? The Bible. And if anybody's speaking, it, it, it should always agree with what's already written in the Bible. Right. God, God's not going to give a new revelation that conflicts or contradicts what he's already revealed in the word of God. And that's why it's a real position of strength. For us as Christians to know the word of God. So when somebody does say something weird, you're like, no, no, brother, that don't that don't check out. And because I know that it says here this and you go to chapter and verse and read it to them and you go on and leave that place and don't go back. Amen. So I just want to point that out because I, I, I hate to see people getting took like that. But it happens today. And so when Paul says he revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets, he's speaking of the guys that were that were God was using at that era, that time. Verse six and the Gentiles should be fellow heirs 
of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And so this is Paul's look, the Jews and Gentiles, they're not going to be replacing each other. They're not going to be two separate and they're going to be part of the same body. And so it's not like there's Jews and they have their thing and then there's Gentiles and we have our own separate things or the Christian church, the Gentile church doesn't take the place of the Jewish people. God says, look, they're going to be part of one church. But as you continue to study the prophetic sequence of events, God's not done with Israel. You know, God's God's God. You read through through the tribulation period and what happens in God is still going to be reaching out to them. But but what this tells us here that Jew and Gentile are going to be together. We're going to be we're going to worship together. And so in that culture, it would have been a much bigger deal than to us because most of us don't know Jews. I mean, we don't really have any around us or it's not. We don't have that same conflict that they were having back then that the Jew and Gentile was so culturally it was, it was explosive culturally for them to come together and worship Jews had always had their religion and their rules and their this and their that and they had taken it even beyond what God ever intended through the laws and through legalism and everything else and then you had Gentiles who were just getting saved off the street and they coming in dressed how whatever they eat whatever they want to eat and Jews are looking and saying that that can't be right you mean tell me that guy is saved? He can't be saved, you know? And they had a hard time accepting what God was doing through his grace. But God says, no, I'm, I'm doing that. You guys are part of the same body. And so while we don't have that struggle, we do want to be careful about, I believe we want to be careful about being religious, being those that hold to the traditions of men too tightly, because that's what happened to the, the Jews and the Pharisees of Jesus. They, they, they held to their traditions so tightly that when Jesus came saying, I'm doing something brand new, they were like, no, we don't receive that. This is how we've always done it. And this is how we're going to continue to do it. And you got people in churches that just just religious, you know. Well, my grandma church back in 1851, this is how they did it. And they had to be right. Some, some people think that it was right because it was a long time ago. So the longer back you go, if that's what they did back in 1851, that's the right way to do it. You, you guys, all this new thing y'all doing is wrong. That's not how it works. It's got to be in the Bible. Right. If it's in the Bible, yeah, I don't care how old what's in the Bible is. We're going to continue to do that. But there are many things that people hold to their just traditions of men that you can't even find them in Scripture. What did Jesus get upset with the Pharisees for doing? He said, you guys hold uh, the traditions of men above my word. And God didn't like that. We, we hold the word of God above the traditions of men. And so, you know, be careful about being that kind of per- person. You know, that, 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 you know, you, if God does a new thing that's, that's within the realm of what the Bible allows and you have a hard time, that's not what you're used to. Sometimes the enemy of the new thing God wants to do is the old thing God was doing. And church folk can be real bad about, you know, allowing God to do a new thing. No, we, this is how we've always done it. And it's like, well, that's how, that, that season, that's how God wanted us to do it. But now God is saying to do it this way. Let there be that liberty, that freedom for the spirit to move. You want a, you want a group of people to die spiritually? Quench the spirit. Don't, don't allow for the Lord to be able to speak new things. And that thing will just die. It'll rot right on the, on the, on the branches. And so, so moving on, Paul says, verse 7, right? Yeah. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And so Paul recognizes his call to be a minister was God did it. You know, I, be, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God that was given to me uh, by the effective working of his power. And, and like I said earlier, is that verses one through seven looked at purpose. 
Paul was very clear. I became a minister. It was according to the gift that God gave me, the grace of God that was given to me by the effective working of his power. Many times the gifts that God has given us are hints at what we're called to do. And if you don't have a sense of divine direction or purpose to your life, uh, I just want to challenge you in the love of Christ that you would pursue the Lord about that. Don't be content to go week in and week out as a Christian. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I just go to church. God having died on the cross and rose from the grave just so we could come to church, you guys. Good that we come to church, that we be in fellowship, that we we share in our gifts with one another, but we're called to do something. And so find out what that is. And, and anytime you see a Christian that feels bored, you know, it's bored in the Lord, bored in their Christianity, it's probably somebody that's not really walking in their purpose. You know, you get a, you get a football team, the guys that play every week with dirty uniforms are having a ball. It's the guys that are sitting on the bench, win, lose, or draw. They they had they 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 looking bummed out no matter what's happening. You know, if you look you look at team, you guys won, and the, the guys that look sad in the win, they didn't get to play. <laughs> they didn't get no reps in. They didn't get to put no work in. And so, don't be that Christian. Observing wins and losses, observing people around you do things, up coming and hearing about. Oh, I heard you guys did that. Oh, those outreach. Oh, there was this thing going on, and you just observing and hearing, but you're not a part. Find out what your part is. And get involved. And I, I believe that'll energize and, and bless your walk, but also you'll be walking in your divine purpose. Amen. Verses 8 through 11 now, we'll look at Paul's perspective, which is amazing the perspective he has. I look at Paul and I think Paul is kind of a big deal. You know, Paul got Jesus, you know, intervened to save Paul personally. You know, Paul, Paul was really filled with the Holy Spirit, not like some of these people today that's, you know, claiming to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul was really filled with the Holy Ghost, walking in power. Look at what he says about himself in verse eight. Paul says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Now, for you, look at this and think Paul had poor self-esteem. Paul said, look, I am, the, I am less than the least of all the saints. That means you can't go no lower than that. That means y'all are all the saints and I'm less than the least. So whoever is the least of y'all, I'm less than that. You know, why does he say that about himself? It's not false humility, and Paul's not struggling with his self-esteem. I believe that the closer a person gets to the Lord, the more they'll become aware it's not about you. It's nothing that you've done. The more you come, you become aware of God's grace upon your life, that God, this really is a thing of grace. This really is undeserved, unmerited favor from you upon my life. I really don't deserve this. It's, it's, it's almost an indication of the farness from God. When somebody is full of themselves, when somebody feels like because of what they do, there's something. It's the most unfitting thing in the world for a minister to be arrogant because, you know, you're handling the word of God. You know better than anybody else that it's not about you, that you, you haven't done anything. God has been merciful and gracious to let you minister the word. It's the most unfitting thing ever for for someone that's ministering in that way to be full of themselves. We should all be very humble, thankful people for what God has done for us, because truly the greatest things that we have, God did for us. Amen. We didn't save ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. We couldn't die for ourselves. The best things that have been done, God did for us. Oh, but I got spiritual gifts. Who gave the spiritual gifts? God did. Who empowers the gifts? God does. Who opens doors for you to use the gifts? God does. If God took away everything he gave, you'd be nothing. Truly, you have nothing to offer Nothing of benefit. And so everything great about the, the man or the woman of God, the people of God, is really what God has done. That should humble us. That should not make us full of ourselves. That should not make us look up our nose at everybody else, you know. And so Paul said, look, I'm less than the least 
of all the saints. It says, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'll come back to the unsearchable riches, but he said it was this grace was given to me. This unmerited, this unmerited favor from God was given to me. And so if you're writing notes, I'm going to give you a few things that Paul says about himself. And we'll just see. It seemed that the further he went, the closer he got, the, the more he just came down, the more humility there was about him. In Galatians chapter six, verse three, Paul says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And so if you think yourself to be something when you're nothing, you're deceiving yourself. And so anybody that struggles with pride, anybody here that struggles with being full of yourself, he says, if any man that thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, you deceive yourself. You might deceive a few other people too, but you're really deceiving yourself into thinking more of yourself than you ought to think. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse nine, Paul said, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul says, I'm, I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm, I mean, I'm one of the guys, but I'm the least of all of them. I, I used to persecute the church. Peter never persecuted the church. John didn't persecute. I did. And so he says, I'm okay with being the least of all the apostles. What does our human nature want to be? Better than everybody else. If you got 12, you know, pastors, human nature, I want to be the best pastor. <laughs> you know, if you got five singers, you want to be the best of the five singers. You know, you guys are pretty good compared to me. You know, you got you athletes, you know, if you're a, if you're a runner, you got five runners, you just want to be the fastest of the five runners. You guys are all just a little bit slower than me. That's human nature. We all want to be a little bit better. And some people will make themselves a little bit better by doing what? What do many people do to make themselves better? Put others down, lie, you know, cheat, whatever. People do whatever they got to do to be better. Cheat, you name it, I, I, I could go on. So here's the thing. Paul says, look, I'm content. Now, I would look at Paul and say, of the apostles, he seemed to be the greatest, doesn't he? He's done the most work. He's wrote the most books. He's next. I mean, next to Jesus Christ. I mean, really, Paul is responsible for so much of the New Testament that he would seem to have been the greatest. He says, look, guys, I'm the least of all the guys. And I'm good with that. I'm OK with that. And it, that says something. Why, why, maybe, maybe that's why God could use him so greatly, because he wasn't full of himself. Maybe some of us are hindered from what God would do because God sees that you're full of yourself and he ain't even doing nothing yet. And so then that, that can be a hindrance where God doesn't want to try to destroy a person. And some people can't God, they can't handle anything else because it would just destroy them. They so full of themselves already. Anybody ever see somebody prideful about something that they're not good at? <laughs> I've seen people prideful about their basketball games and I see their basketball game and I'm like, how did you become prideful about this? I just, I don't understand how you ever got so proud about that game right there, but that, that's human nature. You can't tell them. Y'all point, y'all stop pointing fingers. Some of y'all pointing fingers out. I, I ain't asking y'all to do that, so. But that could, really, seriously, it could be a hindrance to what God would do, that he knows that, you know, humble yourself. Be, find a place where you may fall. I'm the least of all the apostles. Then he says, Right here, we're looking at Ephesians 3, 8. It says, I'm, the le I'm less than the least of all the, the saints. I'm, I'm less than the least of all the believers. Never mind the apostles. It's like, Paul, are you, going, are, you, are you doing worse? Are you going lower? Or is it just a matter of Paul reckoning? I'm, I'm, I'm becoming less and less. You know, what he said, I may decrease that he may increase. There'll be less of me 
and more of him. That's what you see happening in Paul's life. Paul, told, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now he's the chief. First, he was the least of the apostles. Then he's less than the least of all the saints. Now he's the chief of sinners. Either Paul is falling back in his walk with the Lord or, which is that's not the case, He's just his perspective, the closer he gets to the Lord, he's hum- more and more humble and just a lesser view of himself that, that he might continue to be useful in the hand of God. And so as we challenge our best Paul's perspective of himself, again, reality, I look at Paul that he was great. His perspective on himself, maybe which is why he could be great, was that he was low. He had a lowest, he had a low, uh, a low estimate of himself that God could be great in his life. He reckoned everything that was good about him, he gave God the credit, God the glory for. Could I encourage you to investigate your perspective on yourself? Do you see yourself more highly than you are? Do you look at the great things about you and recognize that's God's grace? Think about the things about you that are good. Some of y'all don't have to think very long. Think about the things in you that some of us, there are things that this is good about me. People recognize this about me. This is a, a recognizable, positive characteristic that people that know me point out to me. Where did it come from? Who graced you with that? And, and can God have use of it? Can, can, can God get any shine or any glory from it? Or do you take it all for yourself? Make sure you, you find not a, not, not, a, not a spiritual, phony way to give God the credit, you know, I just give God all the glory, you know, but then you talk about yourself for the next hour, you know, but but really that you would investigate your life and say, God, help me change my perspective. I am prideful. I do take credit when I should give when I should give honor to you and give God proper honor. Give him glory for the things that are in our life. It'll keep you more useful. You guys, that's what you can learn from Paul. His perspective on himself. It seems low, but he was used in a great way, was he not? His life was very useful in God's hand. That's what I want to be. I want to be useful. We get this, we get a window on earth, you guys. However long we get to live, you know, long, short, it's, it's really irrespective. doesn't matter how long we're going to be here, but what's it going to matter? Because you're going to be on earth for so long, you get to do everything God's called you to do for from the time you get saved to the time you die, and then you go to heaven if you're born again. And you don't get to do anything else on earth. And so the season that we're in right now, we're all here alive. Hopefully we're born again. We know the Lord. This is your season to sow into eternity. This is your season to affect, you know, the everlasting realm. Make sure you make good use of it because you got purpose and make sure that your perspective isn't the thing that's slowing you down or hindering you. Make sure you're not full of yourself, but that you're a humble individual. You have every right to be humble. If you understand the gospel correctly, you'll know that there's nothing you could do for yourself. Everything you have, God did it for you. You can't be prideful. You should be very thankful for the Lord. And if God has blessed you with gifts and abilities, honor him. Thank him for giving you those abilities and gifts. Because truly, every every good and perfect gift comes from above. Amen? And if God's giving you gifts and abilities, honor him with those things. God, thank you for giving me these things. Let me give them back to you. Let me. The best thing I can do with my gifts and abilities is offer them back to God for his purpose and his use in this life. Amen? All right, moving on now. It says in verse, the last part of verse eight, which I didn't get to, he says that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I, I was meditating on that. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's a very encouraging thought that it's unsearchable. What does that mean? That means you're never going to get to the end of it. You're never going to you're never going to study Christ enough. You're never going to you're never going to get done with your study of scripture and be you never get to a place with the Bible where it's like, OK, I, I know the whole book now. 
You know, anybody here, you can read a novel, maybe some books you read at school. And there's some books that you read, and once you read them, you don't, you don't want to read them again. I, I know that book already. I read that already. You know, the book just done. I, it's a one-time read. There's something unique about the Bible, you guys. It's living and powerful. And you can read it and read it and read it and read it, and God will keep speaking to you through it. Living and powerful. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Ephesians, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, Paul explains that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you look like. What matters is that Christ unites us as one. In Jesus, we all belong. Do you ever let differences hinder you from having genuine relationships? Do you let cultures or skin color get in the way of Christ-like living? Paul knew that although differences can be difficult to process, unity is the heart of God. To be one with each other is to be one with the Father. We hope you continue to learn more from this book and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. We pray you continue to seek Jesus in all you do. Thanks again for joining us. And be sure to catch us next time right here on A Transforming Word.